Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and whoever else may be watching, we pulled it off, I think. Is that how this works? I mean, I don't know. You tell me. Are we live? <laughs> I think we are live. So you get a chance to see, I guess, a piece of what we do in person. Unfortunately, we were not able to do this on Instagram live. The beauty of trying to do this thing live is that you get to watch us correct our mistakes in real time. And I promise we actually won't edit this out of the post prod. I think it's more fun that way. Well, what we should tell the people is that you are here for the first ever live edition of Award Tour, the podcast. Da, 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 da. I am Brian Albin. He is Unqua Sonye. And this is episode 16, my friend. Are we calling this an actual episode? I was going to bonus this, but I, I'm good. I'm good with episode 16. I'm good with whatever. I, mean, I think it's episode 16 to me. And the reason why yeah, we yeah. are back live with you on a Thursday, just a day after we released our most recent episode, is because if we have learned anything in the year 2020, man, oh man, do things change in a hurry. Because on Tuesday, when we were recording... We were talking about the possibility of the Toronto Raptors and the Boston Celtics potentially boycotting game one of their Eastern Conference semifinal series as a form of protest against the police shooting of Jacob Blake in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Now, at the time, this was about 48 hours ago, I was skeptical that we would see any games not happen. You, you were pretty sure it would. I took the L on that one because we didn't even get to Thursday before the Milwaukee Bucks were striking again uh, for game five of their first round series against the Orlando Magic. Since then, we have not seen a minute of NBA action, and we probably aren't going to until Saturday, uh, potentially Friday, but it seems like Saturday at this point. But let's before we get into the future, before we get into what comes next, and before we give off a couple makeshift awards, because uh, we have to do it. Yeah, you're right. You're right. What are your, if you could just rewind the clock to about four o'clock yesterday, what was going through your mind and what was your reaction? I would say that the biggest piece for me was the fact that it took other dominoes to fall before Milwaukee stepped in. And I'm actually kind of glad that it happened that way because the way that the NBA has moved and the way that people are sort of seeing the league at this point, they're going, okay, fine. Of course the NBA is going to do something. They planned it, whatever. Nobody plans a strike. Nobody. And when it started to happen, I was really, really, I don't know if excited is the right word because we'll, we'll get to it a little bit later. But the fact that it reached a point where f folks just said, enough, we're done. That to me was really very gratifying. Um, I'm not sure where those good feelings are right now because I'm sure we'll get to it a little bit later. But I think from the start, the fact that it happened in the first place is a really big deal. And I think, I know you were not a big fan of how Kyrie approached everything, but honestly, I think this validates everything he was trying to say in the first place. 
So we still disagree on that point because I think the one thing that I said Tuesday that still could resonate here, the impact of this moment right now and the reason it has shaken the sports world the way it has, because you know, for those who haven't been paying attention, it wasn't just NBA games that stopped playing. Uh, as soon as the NBA players made their move, we had a few Major League Baseball teams that decided not to play their games yesterday. We had, I believe, four MLS soccer teams who decided not to play. The WNBA just totally shut it down. And Naomi Osaka... Uh, the tennis player said she was not going to play her match today, which led to the Women's Tennis Association as well as the uh, men's tour deciding to cancel today's games and postpone or matches and postpone them another day. So they set off a firestorm that I don't think would have been possible if they weren't there in the first place. If they didn't go down to Orlando in the first place and just never showed up, once again, I go back to the idea that it would have just intermingled with coronavirus and concerns of going into a bubble altogether. I don't think it would have had the impact that it had to watch the NBA for the last three weeks, get people feeling good about it again, and then have it pulled away. I think that's making a bigger impact on people and it's making people take note more that, wait, you mean the league was able to overcome COVID-19? The league was able to find a solution to a virus that we can't find, but the players are telling us there is a different virus out there that no one is addressing the same way, and that is racism in America. And so they're going to shut it down because they're not here to entertain you if it can't be treated with the same seriousness. So I think we're talking about Kyrie on two completely different spectrums. And I would say the first spectrum in particular is the fact that no matter what you make of Kyrie, you know, saying maybe they shouldn't go to the bubble. One of the biggest points of contention was that he said, oh, you know, bringing back the league would be a distraction from the real issues. And guess what? By the players striking, it actually totally proved his point. Because it's so easy when you see messages on a field, on a shirt, what have you. It is ridiculously easy to go ahead and just assume that things are still going as usual. The games are still being played. There were still exciting moments. Thank you, Luka Doncic. And yeah, you have to quote unquote suffer a few different commercials, suffer through a few different logos on a shirt or on the backs of your jerseys or what have you, but you tend to think that everything is okay. The idea that Kyrie was pushing forward that kind of got buried, I think, in our discussions was that the idea of the league coming back meant that everything was okay when things were not okay. And the fact that this strike has really brought a big response, I think that proved his overall point in terms of the league and where the players have the most say and have the most impact. Because if they can play, and like you said, they take it away, now all of a sudden you don't have game five to be distracted by anymore. That's a real statement, and it was proved correct. 
so I think that is mostly true. I think I just take a little bit of exception with the word distraction. Oh, that's the perfect word to use. Well, so where I take it, where I take exception with the word distraction is because like the people who care about the issue aren't distracted, right? Like watching a basketball game isn't making you or me or anyone who's been paying attention forget that this is something that's going on. Like, I don't think it changes the way, you know, like we're still talking about it. Uh, People are still, I know for one, like we're still talking about the stuff in our home. I think most people are still talking about it. They just have something else to watch for a couple hours. But even within watching that for a couple hours, they are sort of seeing the message. I guess the reason it doesn't feel like distraction to me as much as what it feels like is we're not going to reward people who aren't with us to begin with but are entertained by our product. Like, that's what I feel like it's more of. Um, I don't know. That's just my opinion on it because I don't, I don't, who's distracted? Like protests were still happening after the NBA started in certain cities. But they were, okay. And if they, and if they were dying down, they weren't dying down because the NBA was back. They were dying down because it had been a month a month and a half since they started. And the protests aren't really dying down. They're just in different cities. Like the yeah, protests like, really aren't dying down at all. Let's they be, they you know. go, you know. So like I don't think there's I don't think the NBA coming back tangentially was having any effect on the amount of attention that was being paid to these issues. I think the only thing it was allowing was for people who don't even care about people who look like these athletes to begin with. It was giving them a place of entertainment that they don't really deserve if they're not willing to care about people who look like the athletes, including the athletes themselves who are playing these games, if that makes any sense. So let me ask you a question. Luka Doncic hits the game winner on Sunday. What did he have on the back of his jersey? He has the Slovenian's native language word for equality. How many people would have actually paid attention to that? Well, so I'm not saying that jerseys have been doing anything. Right, but that's see, but that's but, but that's my point. When we talk when people talk about the game being a distraction, that's the point. Like nobody cares what Luka Doncic had on the back of his jersey. Nobody cares that there was Black Lives Matter all over the court or that there were there were throws to it within the broadcast the moment still happened as a purely basketball moment meaning that this very endeavor that the nba players have been going on has indeed been more about basketball than the issues at hand and that's something to be expected when you bring back play in the middle of a pandemic when people are begging for something to watch that does make the game a distraction If your main goal is to bring awareness to the issues at hand, even the biggest racist can sit through three commercials if their favorite player is going to be on the court, period. So what I would say to that is if your only goal 
is the issues at hand, then yes, basketball is a distraction. But there are multiple endeavors to be accomplished at the same time. And I don't think there would be a league-wide consensus if we asked that said that the only thing they need to be focusing on is racial injustice. They all agree they need to use their platforms to influence change. And I think that's exactly what they've done by going down and playing, but also reminding people that hold on. If the same things just keep on happening, we don't have to do this. Like, I think that has more power than just not showing up to begin with. And so I understand what you're saying with, you know, Kyrie was talking about how basketball would just become a distraction. But at the same time, I I think it showed that you need to be present and in the platform to be able to have the same impact. Because like Jalen Brown and Malcolm Brogdon, when there was no basketball going on, they drive down to Atlanta to lead a players rally. Players in different cities were parts of protests and rallies in their cities. In those moments, they blended into a story. And I don't think it had the same impact on the masses as it did when they showed up to play basketball and then took it away from people. Because in that moment, they were exerting a power that they have that affected people greater than they probably could have by marching on the streets where they're one of the many. And so I I just, I have a hard time. I'm very much a believer that we can walk and chew gum at the same time. And I believe in that for the players that they can both finish their season and do things like they have done in the past couple days that are possibly going to lead to greater change. And I'm also a believer in people that we can watch the games and also not just enjoy the games, but continue to talk about what they want us to talk about afterwards. For those of you just joining us, this is the live version of Award Tour, the podcast. This is the sort of thing we do every week, and we are continuing that conversation. If you've got something to say, pop a comment in live on Facebook and on Periscope, also known as Twitter, because I think Twitter bought that too. I'm glad you brought up playing because it's a perfect segue into the news later today that despite reports earlier yesterday that there was talk of ending the season prematurely, that the players instead are agreeing to resume the season. I have my thoughts on that, but I want to hear yours first. I think personally that it's the right decision. Um, I will continue to speak my personal viewpoint that they can accomplish more with that spotlight on them right now than they can going home and not having 3 million, 4 million eyeballs on them for 12 hours of the day. 
because I don't think people will pay attention to them and what they have to say other than a few people. You know, like LeBron James can say anything at any time and people will pay attention and nitpick it to the grave. Uh, The same would go for a couple other stars in the league. But the league still has a chance right now to continue to play and yet continue to protest. Like, I want it to be clear. I am not against the idea of players protesting. I am not against the idea of them exerting their power for the sake of trying to force change. I'm not just speaking about the need for them to finish the season because I just want to watch basketball. Like, that's not where my point of view is coming from. I just think there's bigger opportunity to accomplish what they want to accomplish while playing. And maybe part of that is like boycotting a certain amount of time of the game, literally just letting the ball bounce and not playing. You know, whether it's from the opening tip off until eight minutes and 46 seconds on the first quarter, just nobody's playing and just run the time. Like, I feel like there are opportunities to make those statements within the course of the game, within the course of finishing the season, that you just won't be able to have that same impact and cause that type of emotional reaction that they've caused in the past two days without being there and without being in the forefront. I'm so glad you mentioned power. Because we tend to forget that when we talk about power dynamics in sports, we've talked a lot about the power of college athletes, their social power, earning power, though they don't get compensated, things of that nature. What we forget about professional sports is that for all the power that LeBron James has as a member of the Los Angeles Lakers, In terms of the changes that those players want to enact, uh, the Buss family wields way more. Mickey Arison, owner of the Heat, had the Heatles, had everything. He was seen as a big, smiley, great owner, all that sort of stuff. And if you look, I, I found an article today by The Guardian that outlined every American sport team owner's and what political causes that they donated to. And so I wish that the players did not give in so soon. I think it is disrespectful to I think it's disrespectful for anyone to say what these players should or should not do because at the end of the day all of these protests and uh, I don't normally do this but shout out to the New York Mets and the Miami Marlins they Walked on the field, had 42 minutes of silence for Jackie Robinson, and flat out did not play. Baseball does not usually do that. We kick baseballs behind a lot verbally. I want to give them props for that because I don't know who they told about it. It didn't seem like it was orchestrated, which is great. But back to the topic at hand. When we talk about power, it gets neglected all the time that the owners of these teams have that power. They have the financial power. They have the whisper power to 
other people within that circle. And as it turns out, the fact that going in and saying, oh, okay, fine, do your little, do your little strike or whatever. But then the league gets to go around and call the postponement, get in the front of it when they had nothing to do with it. And then you allow the owners who have all of that power to just say, oh, well, there's nothing we can do. Because if these were owners of small businesses and they were representing something smaller and there was something big that happened, they would lose the support of that community. And now you're looking at multi-million, in some cases, multi-billion dollar professional franchises with owners who have an unwieldy amount of money and they donate to causes that hurt their players and the communities that those players come from. Do I know everything about the meetings that they had last night? No. But the fact that play resumed in less than 24 hours to me is not the greatest sign that anything actually got done. And I understand we've heard about it all the time. There are big financial ramifications to not playing, of course. But within that same argument is a subtext that says, well, you know, change doesn't happen overnight. Want to know why? Because we keep punting. Because they keep making excuses. Because multimillionaires and billionaires go, oh, well, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I sent out my political donations and whatnot, which are all public record, by the way. But, you know, there's there's not really anything we can do. I mean, I, I don't know what you want me to do, LeBron James. I mean, I out-earn you five, ten times, but I, my hands are tied. What do you mean they're tied? We talk about leverage. We talk about power. It doesn't seem like they used it. And what sucks is that, as I mentioned before, this is not their problem to fix. So I'm not judging them for coming back. What I am saying is that I wish we had seen a holdout last a little bit longer. Because as of right now, it seems like we just returned to the status quo. And that we'll just have a few days of no basketball. So there's a couple layers I want to get to. First, uh, who has said there's nothing they can do and their hands are tied? That's how they have reacted because all of these public statements still don't like get to the point. So far, the hardest hitting statement has been from an NFL team, which is yikes. So I I don't want to go and get on the owners until we know what has come out of these meetings because I want to try and find it, but Mark Spears of uh, ESPN I believe reported within the last half an hour that a descript action plan agreed to by the owners and the players association uh, could be released by the end of the night. Okay. And that includes, uh, let me, um, let me try and find this. I'm, I'm glad we're doing this live because I would love to be wrong. I would love for there to be a fact. Cause look, who doesn't want to compete? Like who doesn't want to play if you can, but if that means something actually got done. Okay. So I'm, well, I think, uh, let me try and find the statement and then I'll, let's see, here we go. 
the NBA players or the NBA Players Association and the NBA could be putting out a joint statement tonight following the conference call between the union and owners. They could be announcing a direct action plan that includes a push for police accountability, voting registration, and support for the George Floyd bill. That's from Mark J. Spears within the last hour. Um, All right. So, the one thing I don't know if it is going... The one thing that gets tricky with this is anytime people step into a situation where they strike, protest, whatever you want to call it, uh, against certain things, everybody wants to know, well, what is it going to take for them to have accomplished the goal? And so the first thing that I think we need to recognize is the players are already succeeding. Look at the number of NBA arenas that are now set up to be voting centers on election day on November 3rd. Like that is something that players are pushing for and the owners of their teams are helping make happen. Now, does that stop a cop from shooting a black man tomorrow? No. But is it something that you pushed for and that you got action on? Yes. Does that make that a success? Yes. Um, The financial contributions are... Not that much action, but they're action nonetheless. Um, just trying to think of other things we have seen happen so far, like, you know, ownership of the Milwaukee Bucks, helping their players get in touch with the attorney general of the state in the locker room after they decided to postpone their game yesterday. Like, that's the Bucks taking an action, saying, you need to help us with this, everyone collaborating, and something happening. What it leads to, that's always going to be hard to find out. And that's the toughest part about this. Like, there is so much of what is being fought against that is going to be really hard to fix. And it's going to take a long time, which is shitty. But, like, it's, I have a hard time with just the idea of, they didn't hold out long enough if we don't know what they've agreed to yet and what what they're going to come together on and speak out on because if they hold out seven days versus two days, is that consequential? There is pressure that builds. But what if there's, like, I guess the thing is, I don't think there's much pressure that needs to be put on the owner. Like, I, uh, what? Whoa, whoa. Like, I think the I'm, owners. I'm, no way. No way. I think the owners in the NBA have been showing a willingness to be collaborative on this. I am willing to hear the complaint that the NBA didn't let players control the messages that went on the back of their jerseys. And that's a valid criticism. Like, absolutely, 100%. For the most part, though, I think there is a track record of trust between the two sides and a willingness for the two sides to listen to each other and try and find common ground, which is not something we can say for all leagues. 
So I just have a hard time with the idea that the owners are going to be like need extreme pressuring. I think the players accomplished their goal yesterday. I think the owners are listening. I think they've got the ear of the owners, and I'm excited to see what this action plan is because maybe I'll be wrong. Maybe it'll be inconsequential actions that get agreed to, and the players will look like they bluffed. Uh, I have a hard time thinking that's where it's going to go. Well, the the problem is that if you look at even the NFL two years ago, the players coalition that that full that formed, you know, you're talking about, oh, our teams will commit thirty million dollars in total. It's a million dollars a team. And this is I forget criticism of the NFL aside. I just there's don't not think the big there, there is not the track record that we would love to see that owners actually take the issues of the players in their community seriously. There is no track record for that. Is there a track record for collaboration? Sure. Is there a track record for the door being a bit more open to conversations? Yes. But the idea that just because the player-owner relationship is friendlier means that there's a possibility for greater change doesn't hold water. What does that mean, though? Does that mean that the owners of the NBA have not been doing the political bidding? Like, is that what we're talking about? It means, well, I think I think the political bidding is a huge part of it. The, the, I, that, I'm just asking the question. It's a huge part of it. And I don't know how deeply they got into it. And I don't think that anybody wants to control what look personal liberty is a big deal whether you have one dollar whether you have a billion but if there are specific issues that your players talk about that are harmful and are embodied by a candidate that you are financially supporting that is an issue and i said it earlier tonight if a small business owner supported somebody abhorrent the community would riot just because this is a multi-million or multi-billion dollar organization does not mean that those owners should not be held to the same standard with which they use their money, with whom they represent. Yeah, I mean, it, look, it's an interesting point. I have not gone through every single NBA owner's political contribution history. So I have a hard time knowing outside of Tillman Fertitta uh, who is donating to causes that subvert the message that the players are speaking of right now? <laughs> so did James Dolan, which is not a surprise. Well, oh, I mean, that's not a surprise. It's not a surprise. No. Not a surprise Everybody though. would be happy if he was gone. Uh, so, but I don't know. I, I guess my question for you is if they didn't play and they just canceled the season and they take the carrot off the table. What happens? What happens that is more uh, aiding the cause than what they're attempting to do right now? Nobody likes to lose money, correct? You don't think that there would be an emergency owner? All right, all right, all right, all right. They're not coming back. We apparently have to do something because they can't. They Everyone thinks that the owners are going to be able to just easily take the CBA route and cut their players or whatever, 
have fun trying that. Because money aside, public perception is everything. And Adam Silver knows that. And if the players had, again, whatever their strategy was, there's still more to be said. What I am pitching as an alternate scenario is that if the, if the players say, this isn't good enough, come back to us when you actually have something to talk about and make it indefinite at least, then the conversation has urgency. The reason why the quick turnaround for me was a little bit iffy was because it's less than 24 hours. So either they were really that serious, which is the best case scenario, or they placated. Same way people always do when they're in positions of power. They placate just so that they can get through the season. I cannot imagine how many times the phrase, let's just get through the season and we'll talk about it in the offseason. Continue to kick the can down the road, then something comes up and it gets kicked down the road again. And I don't think that that's acceptable. I... I just have a hard time picturing. Like, so here's the thing that complicates this. The players are not striking against the league. The players are not striking against the owners. The players were striking against the country, essentially and against police oppression. And the reason why I don't think the idea of they could just blow it up and the owners are going to come back begging and not eventually make it hurt for them on the business side is because we're trying to figure out where the common ground is. We're trying to figure out how to make all things work. I don't think the owners at some point would be able to just accept the idea of what you're doing isn't enough, so we blew up the season and we cost the league all that money, you shouldn't change our negotiating terms because that does speak to a commitment to the business being different. And I'm not advocating against the fact that these players have every right to feel the way they do and that these players have every right to try and make change the best they can. But I do think it is their responsibility to try and at least, and we have all indication that they're doing this, in good faith, talk to their ownership, say this is what we want to see, and give their ownership a chance to come through. And if their ownership wants to do that in an accelerated process, because there is a lot on the line right now, I don't think they're wrong for wanting to try to accomplish it quickly either. 
I do see the point and I hear your point, but I just, I don't see, I'm having a hard time conceptualizing how it will end up helping at the end of the day. Because I don't think, and we sort of talked about this Tuesday, the world will continue on without basketball at some point. Because sports are entertainment. They are an escape. But I don't think basketball players not playing basketball has a shelf life of impact on the type of issues we're talking back uh, talking about for more than a few days at best and that's why I think there is so much urgency because like the people who need to be reached aren't even being reached for the most part to begin with so much of that crowd has already tuned out the NBA because they were offended by the fact that they wore shirts that said I can't breathe back in 2014 and they already don't like LeBron James and miss the way the game used to be played back in the days of bird and magic. Like, you you know what? I'm not sure that the power of what they have could last for that long. They probably said the same thing. You know what? I don't think it, makes sense to do historical comparisons because I also don't want to get the reference wrong. But I think you would be supremely surprised how long that shelf life actually lasts. Because it's one thing to walk out during a normal season. We are in the middle still of a nationwide pandemic. We are still talking about a league that to this point coupled with the WNBA is really the only one that has tackled this virus and has continued to keep staying power if that league walks I promise you you think that shelf life is only seven days it will go much farther than that I promise you but although In what we're, way, we're talking we're talking about hypotheticals anyway because as we have already discussed, they're going to be coming back. But I think we underestimate, we continue to, there are two things that we underestimate. We underestimate the impact of saying no and saying it willfully with reason. And we underestimate the fact that a business negotiation with a smile is still a business negotiation. I think there's a lot of goodwill that is being bestowed upon ownership that they ain't earned yet. And I think the more that we continue to objectively look at what is going to come of this document that will soon drop after this meeting, I can't wait to see it. But the idea that ownership just should be given the benefit of the doubt, that's what the whole resurgence of this movement has been about in the first place. White America wants the benefit of the doubt so bad when they've operated in bad faith for four four centuries. And while we can't draw a direct parallel between 400 years of oppression and a professional basketball league, 
when it comes to labor ownership negotiations to assume that those with the power are automatically going to be in good faith for the sake of the business, it doesn't hold water. It doesn't hold water. Yeah, I guess I just, when I hear that sort of sentiment, then it does feel like it's a strike against the owners. In a way it is. Not directly, but in a way it is. Because I mean, this is because this is saying you've had this power. We're going to call you to the mat to do something about it. Can't just be us. We can't walk on. We can't wear those warm up shirts. Decide to kneel before the anthem. All this sort of stuff. We can't go do that. And then you just stay quiet while our literal community where our home arena actually is, is suffering. And you are supporting people either explicitly or implicitly that caused that harm. You are watching Award Tour, the podcast, our first ever live stream here. We are talking about the events that have been going on, mostly in the NBA, but we, we are on the topic, and it seems like our topic is essentially churned into what will be good enough in terms of the olive branch that the owners offered the players to justify the NBA players coming back to action. And so the question I'm going to ask you now is I'm going to read the statement that the Baltimore Ravens have put out. That's the statement I was talking about. I'm going to ask if this is good enough because what was uh, written out by the Ravens today with yet another example of racial discrimination with the shooting of Jacob Blake and the unlawful abuse of peaceful protesters, we must unify as a society. It is imperative that all people, regardless of race, religion, creed, or belief, come together to say enough is enough. This is bigger than sports. Racism is embedded in the fabric of our nation's foundation and is a blemish on our country's history. If we are to change course and make our world a better place, we must face this problem head on and act now to enact positive change. It is time to accept accountability and acknowledge the ramifications of slavery and racial injustice. Though we cannot right all the wrongs of our country's history, we can. Arrest and charge the police officers responsible for Breonna Taylor's killing and the shooting of Jacob Blake. Demand that Senator Mitch McConnell bring the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act of 2020 to the Senate floor for vote. That includes ending qualified immunity, requiring body cameras, banning chokeholds, and no-knock warrants, holding police accountable in court, establishing a framework to prohibit racial profiling at federal, state, and local levels. Support state and federally mandated CALEA accreditation and national standards of care in policing. Encourage everyone to engage in the political process by registering to vote on both the local and national level. Demand prison sentencing reform that is fair and equitable. Encourage every citizen to act with respect and compliance when engaging with the police. If you feel there has been an abuse of power, we encourage you to contact your police department's internal affairs unit with the Baltimore City number attached. We will use our platform to drive change now, not just for our generation, but for the generations that follow, for our sons and daughters and for their children. That is the statement of the Baltimore Ravens. That is their pretty explicit action plan that they would like to see occur. If the NBA releases something of a similar framework, a similar structure with the owner's co-blessing 
to you, does that mean that it was okay for the players to come back and they got enough out of the deal? Oh, and the answer is at this point, it's absolutely hell no. Because they never said what they're going to do. Anybody can call for bodies to do their job. The whole nation has been doing that. Daniel Cameron still hopped his happy ass on the RNC platform and invoked Breonna Taylor's name while her killers have not even been arrested. Nothing has changed. So those words are strong. They're nice. What are you as an organization going to do about it? What are steps that you are taking within your communities instead of just giving us a self-help manual? That doesn't fix anything. That is once again, the owners walking around like, there's not much we can do. I mean, we can talk about it. We can quote, foster the conversation. There is palpable economic and actual political power that can be used here. The University of Minnesota divested itself from the police force. And if they had sports, they wouldn't be in the stadiums. To date, right now, that's the strongest stance any sports team has taken. And they're not even professionals. So if all we get out of a 24-hour hiatus is pretty words, it's a huge fail. It's a huge fail. So then what to you is the success? What? Because I am not so sure what exactly owner's power. Like they are very rich people. But at the same time, there are also other extremely wealthy people who put more pressure on politicians or boards or whatever it may be. So I I don't, I'm curious what just like are a couple of the ideas that they specifically could cause a change with. They could, they could literally, I don't know if they're going to ask their owners to pause certain political donations. That would be a hell of a start, kind of even a reach. Weird for me to say, but that that would be something. But you talk about them to but, pause but what political donations in terms of having a real conversation, which maybe is being had that night about not using your dollars, which are sort they're not team dollars, but not using your dollars as the owners of these respective organizations not using your dollars to fund candidates who hurt our communities. There's no reason why if you own an NBA team that that can't, that can't at least be factored in somewhere. Maybe that's a reach. I'm, I'm, I'm willing to eat that. That's totally fine. But I want to know as an organization, it's great that they're opening up certain stadiums to vote that's actually really really cool but what happens after that as an organization what steps are you taking toward fighting police brutality maybe there is enough maybe there is actually money committed to the bail funds of protesters 
to cover legal fees for those who are bringing cases to even divest from local police entirely. Like, let's not act like you were just creative earlier on in the show with what our, what athletes rather could do. You were very creative saying what athletes could do if the ball is tipped anyway. You know, let the clock go down to 846 or taking 846 or whatever it is. If the players can be that creative, you think the owners can't be? Well, so I'm, my thing is I think you can be creative, but the things I brought up aren't necessarily going to cause change. Like, there are things that you can try to do to make statements and hope it makes an impact on people. But even if players decide for the last 846 minutes of a game, they're just not going to play. And then there's essentially no fourth quarter. Like, that's going to get people's attention. But that's not an impetus necessarily for change because the decision makers in many of these instances are going to be unaffected. So I guess that's where the idea that the owners need to be able to have receipts in order to get people back on the court. That's a tough one for me to really feel like I know what is even achievable in that regard. Like I, I, I think of the idea of divesting from the police and not having police at, you know, the games. The al- there has to be an alternative. Is the alternative that the uh, organizations are going to create a private security for their arenas? Like, cool. Yeah, that sounds like a good idea. Um How does that get done? What are the permits with the cities? All those things. Like, I, I don't know any of that. And I imagine it can be figured can out. Figure out. Exactly. I imagine that's it can be figured point. out. Um, but at the same time, I don't know how to say it more bluntly. And it hurts me to say this. I don't know what the owners what the players, what average citizens can do that's going to stop a white cop from shooting a black man the next time he feels threatened. There's not any one thing that can be done right now to stop that from happening. There are so many steps we need to take And it sucks to say that. And that's why I'm nervous of these players. I think, to be clear, I think these players have done a wonderful job thus far. Um, I think they are succeeding, in my opinion, in terms of what they're trying to accomplish. I'm just worried about the window. I'm nervous about the amount 
in this instant gratification world that we can demand to see instantly before we lose momentum. That is a good point. The problem is, to this point, momentum has gotten us part of the way. And I think at a point like this, instant gratification society aside, you gotta you you have to come harder than that. You have to, because all the energy that everyone is wringing their hands with, oh, what, what, what can I do? If they're not conversations that you can be having with your families, if they're not conversations that organizations themselves can muster, like, that's the thing, it's not my job to fix, that's not even the player's job really to fix that, to be honest. Because the circle of influence that we're talking about, they play a big role in these decisions. And it is because of that, that if you think that one snap of the finger from someone who's got it can't fund training or any other variants of things, that's foolhardy and I think that's a cop-out. The idea that just because an owner can't walk out in the middle of a situation to go, stop, stop, stop. He's not doing anything. We're looking at it from a very minute perspective of that one situation and not understanding that for all the layers within that situation, there are a whole lot more outside of it that those owners can affect. Because not all of them are quote-unquote basketball people. They have spheres of influence in other places. They have spheres of influence in real estate where redlining still exists drastically in this country. Other industries. This is bigger than just police brutality, although I hope it is at the focal point of everything that they're doing. But it's bigger than just not being killed. It is about putting a dent in systemic racism. And I hope that that was the breath of the conversations that were being had tonight. Hopefully, before we sign off, we will get some sort of reporting that tells us what uh, the owners and the players are putting out there Mark so Spears we don't have to you, speak man. in hypotheticals and debate things that might be proven irrelevant in 20 minutes, just like seemed to happen to us Tuesday. Uh, oh, but before please. we, yeah, let's leave the NBA. Do you want to touch on any of the other leagues and what happened? I think we can just go to awards, but I do want to commend those who took action. And I'll be honest, I don't remember them all. We didn't come in with them on, in our show notes, but we know that people have had, have made stands. And I think that that's, Really great and really important. However, it ain't over yet. So let's see what extra momentum can be scooped up after all. And so with that, 
I guess we're going to move into awards for any of you who have not joined us yet. We give out awards to whoever we darn feel like it for whatever we darn feel like giving them an award for. And it has no basis in reality, except for one. There is one award that has a basis in reality and is a consistent. Otherwise, we're just making them up as we go. (laughs) And I'll start it off. Yes. Have you ever seen the uh, movie Varsity Blues? Heard of it. Haven't seen it. So it's essentially a film about high school football in Texas for teenagers playing for this addicted to winning verbally and emotionally and physically uh, legendary high school football coach. Played by John Voigt, who, you know, seems like he fits that bill quite well, considering he's speaking at the RNC. (laughs) Uh, Or at least narrating for the RNC. And in the film... The money's good. Bud Kilmer, the name of the coach, starts to lose control as they are playing a huge game, trying to win his 23rd district title or whatever it may be. And after a black running back hurts his knee, he's trying to get the doctor to shoot him up with drugs so that he'll play, even though he's hurt. And his quarterback, who's always been the one who didn't actually think that football was as important as everyone else around him seemed to think it was, barges in and basically stops the shot from happening gets in a fight with the coach. The coach ends up punching him. And the whole team essentially says, either you're out or we're out. <laughs> sort of feels like, and for the record, the uh, the quarterback in that situation is named Mox. Jonathan Moxon, played by James Vanderbeek. Well, okay. This whole situation with the NBA sort of feels like a Jonathan Moxon situation. Here we go. So the Jonathan Moxon award of the week is going to go to George Hill. Ooh. For being the one who simply said, this game right now is not that big a deal. And we are going to fight back against the system. And he had the respect of his teammates that they quickly followed. And that's where we got to where we are today. So George Hill, award to you. I do feel bad for the Orlando Magic that they weren't in the loop. That probably hurt some of them. They probably felt pretty disrespected to show up on that court and look like they weren't in on it. Yeah. In on it. That, with, that hurts. That that probably hurts a lot of those young men. So I do feel bad for them that that happened. But I still think that does not change that George Hill should be rewarded for being the one who, while everyone was sort of dipping their toe, just jumped in the pool and said, well, think about the consequences later. This has to be done. So kudos to him. Absolutely. And of course, there's no way that I could end this venerable occasion without 
making fun of bringing down the mood. How? Well, if you followed our show, I have given an award to the same person twice already. That would be one Senator Kelly Loeffler. Why is that? Well, she, as a senator, owns the Atlanta Dream and has made very conflicting remarks that don't quite reflect what she actually is, quote-unquote, supposed to be doing. And do you know who reminded me of that? One Daniel Cameron. Now, two days ago, you asked me if I would if I was watching the RNC. I said, why would I ever? So the clip that I'm referencing came across my timeline because they're like, I can't believe he invoked Breonna Taylor's name. And I'm going, I don't know. I was literally like, you know what? I don't know why I'm clicking play, but okay. And this man, Daniel Cameron, who is, by the way, the attorney general of the state of Kentucky, which means he can bring charges at any time, was waxing poetic about the liberty of this country and how our current occupant and exhibits those values. And he's and the clip will speak for itself. I'm not going to play it now, but... I'll put it I'll I'll put it for for those who are listening for the podcast it's going to go right about here. For everybody else, you can look it up on your own. But that is disrespectful and very double-minded. So, Daniel Cameron gets the Kelly Loeffler award for being so double-minded and unfit for his role. I've got one more for us. Are you going to take us out on a happy note? Is that what this is all about? I mean, I was leaving the Maya Moore. That's a, a very happy note. Do it. For do it. courageous, selfless athlete to you. But you decided not to take it. So I'm going to take it. Please take it. The Maya Moore Award of the Week for courageous, selfless, and on-point athletes goes to the Washington Mystics. We already knew that these WNBA girls, these women, they don't play around. Good at it, by the way. They know how to make a statement unapologetically. And the Washington Mystics made one yesterday when they came out to the court before postponing their game in white T-shirts that on the front spelled out Jacob Blake and on the back had seven bullet holes drawn into them. If you're going to make a statement, go big with it, do it graphically, be about it. The WNBA has been about it all along. They're probably the original pioneers in this discussion. They are. They 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 actually predated Colin Kaepernick by a few months. So, Maya Moore, award of the week. Gotta give it to the Washington Mystics. Go Sticks. Forever been about it. Forever been about it. I personally could not be. I wish it didn't have to be for this. 
But I am very, very, very happy that it's still being done. Like, I know that I spent most of our hour and change talking about how they shouldn't just have to talk. But the fact that they are speaking in the first place is a good thing. It is. It's a wild time. And these last two days, it's hard to reflect upon them without the word textbook coming to mind. Because there are a few moments in your history classes growing up where sports were able to be a part of the historical context discussion of this country. You think of Jesse Owens going to the Berlin Olympics and running and dominating in front of Adolf Hitler. You think of the miracle on ice sort of at the tail end of the Cold War. You think of Jackie Robinson breaking the color barrier. Like those are the moments that sports actually comes into your textbook and you learn about it in school. Kids will be learning about these past couple days and players striking against an American issue, not a labor disagreement with ownership about finances, but purely striking against a societal issue and telling the American people, you don't deserve our entertainment until you value us for more than our gifts and value us as human beings. Our children, our grandchildren are going to read this in textbooks one day and to be living it as a sports fan. It's an encapturing, proud moment to see the impact that sports can have on the world playing out in real time. Sometimes all you can do is not. That was extremely well said. And I think that's where we should leave it. That's a perfect place to leave it. So I might as well close off with thanking those of you who joined us. And the number wasn't zero. I'm just, I was just so happy that the number wasn't zero. It grew, it swelled. So thank you to all of you who are a part of this live experience. Hopefully we'll pick a time that's like not in the dead of night, but um, with all the technical stuff aside, I'd say the maiden voyage didn't go that bad. We're definitely going to do it again. I think it, I can't wait to do it again, actually. But in case you want to hear more of this sort of talk, and I promise we have a little bit of fun along the way, we are available wherever you get your podcast hosted on Anchor, where you can leave a voice message and nominate an award, or you can also tune in on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever else that you get them. On the socials, yours truly at underscore I-A-M-N-K-W-A. I'd rather spell it, and I'll spell Brian's too because I'm actually a decent speller. That's Brian with a Brian Albin Life, that is, on Twitter. Brian with a Y, only one L in the Albin and the life. If you spell it with a Y, I'm 
going to hit you. We're active on the socials on the podcast, too. Sounds like you're not about life. Jennings, then. I love him, but you didn't put that in your name. Well, so I don't deserve to spell life with a Y the way he does. Oh, here we go. Don't do this. Don't do this. <laughs> I'm just saying. The guy's good. True. Very true. Anyway, we're active on the socials for the <laughs> podcast. I, I let you go there. I let, <laughs> I, let it, I let it all go. Make sure that you also give us five stars wherever you find your podcasts. Apple, Anchor, wherever it may be. Leave us a review. Tell me that my jokes aren't funny. I won't take it personal. Just click five stars on the way to doing so. That's all we ask. But thank you for being a part of it. Feel free to tune in. And we usually release on Thursdays. If we go live again, there will be more follow-up. And we'll finally get Instagram to work, I think. But for now, we bid you good night. See you next week. But not live. You'll you'll have to actually subscribe and follow us for that. Sorry. Thank you.